Turn with me, please, to the New Testament, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. For some weeks now, we've been on a, a series, a subject we're calling Fighting the Good Fight of Faith. And this is our main text here, 1 Timothy 6, 12. It says, fight the good fight of faith. So you know where I got my title. Fight the good fight of faith. Say that out loud with me, please, a couple of times. Fight the good fight of faith. Let's say it again. Fight the good fight of faith. Are you going to have to fight? Either that or be defeated. I've had people, uh, remember years ago, a lady just looked at me and cried and said, but I'm not a fighter. I don't like to fight. I don't want to fight. Well, I'm sorry, but in this fight, if you're going to make it, in this situation, you're going to have to fight or you will be destroyed. But it's not a fist fight. What kind of fight is it? It's a faith fight. It's a faith fight. So how do you fight? Faith is a big part of how you fight this fight. It's a faith fight. But it's a good faith fight. How many know a fight you lose is not a good fight? (laughs) Got beat to a pulp, but man, it was a good fight. No, no. (laughs) No, a good fight is a fight you win. And how many know if you trust God and he's in you, there's nobody bigger than him. Greater is he that's in you that's in the world. And if you stay with him, he always causes you to triumph, to win then that is a good fight with a good outcome. Now, talking about spiritual conflict, go to 2 Corinthians, if you would, please. 2 Corinthians. People have a lot of ideas about spiritual warfare, what it is. And the Scripture warns us about beating the air <laughs> in 1 Corinthians you're going to 2 Corinthians 2 but I'm going to read this to you in 1 Corinthians 9:26 he says I don't fight like a man beating the air easy to read says I fight like a boxer who's hitting something not just the air the new living says I'm not just shadow boxing why would the lord say that because there is what people are calling spiritual warfare that is nothing but hitting the air. And how I many know if you hit the air with all your might, you work up a sweat, you feel like you did something, you can be tired when you got through, but the reality is you hit nothing. You didn't defeat anybody, you didn't hit anything. And yet there was a lot of sweat and a lot of motion and a lot of noise. Well, I don't want a bunch of sweat, motion, and noise and call it spiritual warfare and actually I'm shadow boxing. How about you? Just beating the air. And, And frankly, there's a lot of stuff that's called prayer. And it's vain. It accomplishes nothing. There's a lot of things people call faith. And it's vain. The Bible talks about vain praying 
And it talks about feigned faith, fake faith. There's real prayer and there's useless prayer. There's real faith and there's phony faith, fake faith. And the more you learn about it, it's irritating to hear people attributing things to God that's got nothing to do with God. Isn't it? It really is. But, you know, some folks don't know any better, so be patient. If you learned something, wasn't long ago, you didn't know any better either. But uh, we, for some years now, the Lord's led us, led me and led us to pray and believe for revelation and light. And I've been believing that God would show us what's Him and what's not Him. What's men's ideas and, and just tradition and just spiritual junk and what really is God. Are you believing with me on this? The, I can see the Lord answering our prayer. Going back now for months, I can see, I didn't see it at the time, but I can look back now and see he, he immediately began to answer that prayer and reveal things to us. And a number of these series that have come out in the last year or two, uh, especially, have been, I can see an answer to that prayer. He's showing me things. He's showing you things. He's showing us things going, this is not me. This never was me. <laughs> Get rid of that. Leave that alone. This is me. Embrace it. Go with it fully. Are you believing with me on this? Yes. Everybody, maybe there's somebody that hadn't heard this before. So everybody, sit out loud. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For hearing our prayers. For hearing our prayers. And, I'm too, and I'm asking to. Reveal to us. Reveal to us what is you. What is, you, what is, not, you, what is not you. What is man's stuff. What is man's stuff phony things. Religious tradition, religious tradition, junk, junk not, real, not real, and what is really you, what is really truth, you? truth, right, right. Reality. reality. Thank you for showing me. You, In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, you know that's his will, don't you? So then you know he heard that prayer. So then you know you have the petitions that you desired of him. 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. There's a lot about this in this whole book of 2 Corinthians. In the 2nd chapter, in the 10th chapter, in the 11th chapter here. But for time's sake, in the 10th chapter, in the 3rd verse, one of the best revelations, descriptions of the warfare, the spiritual conflict, what it's about, how it's waged. In the third verse, he said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. It's not a flesh fight. Ephesians 6 says, we, we don't war, we don't struggle against flesh and blood. I know it, it's easy to get to looking at people and hearing what they're saying and doing and think they're my problem. But it's really not. It's the spirit behind it. And there's a lot of people that are blind and lost and deceived and being manipulated. They don't even realize it. And if they got saved and cleaned up and filled with the Spirit and got their mind renewed, they could be your best buddy. Some of the best people you've ever been around. huh? And how many know except for the grace of God, you wouldn't be in church this morning. You'd be somewhere blind and lost and, and doing stuff that you're ashamed of. Is that right? 
We went into some detail about the experience that my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, had. He said the head of the church revealed to him and talked to him about how uh, the enemy works. And this is in his book, I Believe in Visions. And uh, he went into detail. Uh, He said the Lord started out by saying, I'm going to show you how evil spirits can get a hold of people, even Christians, if they allow him to. Don't you like that part? If, if, if. Of course, that matches the scripture. Uh, The devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He cannot do anything in your life unless you allow him to. But the problem is, people are allowing him to. Right and left, a lot of times ignorantly yielding to him. And you don't wait till you, you see something in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork to think, oh, I better resist the devil. He comes, the Bible said he, trans, in, in this 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians, says he transforms himself into an angel of light. One of the devil's favorite things is to pretend he's from God. And, and you talk about an actor. He's the best actor there's ever been. He's a pretender. And you talk about selling something. And a con man. He's the best that there's ever been. And that's the. We should not be afraid of the devil. At all. We are children of God. Jesus has stripped him. And brought him to naught. Right. And greater is he that's in us. But you should be alert. And on the watch all the time. About getting tricked. Getting deceived. It is an ever present threat. Are y'all with me friends? And if the devil can deceive you, he can devour you. That's how it works. Whom may he devour? The ones that yield to him, either knowingly or, or ignorantly. If he can deceive you, he can devour you. Do you understand this? So he said, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now some people have stopped right there. And they've gone off into a whole tangent of things that they imagined were strongholds and how you deal with them. But that's not even the end of the sentence. It's a semicolon. That's not even what strongholds he's talking about. Well just hold on a half second and he'll tell you. How many know there's so many erroneous doctrines would have been prevented if you just read the next verse? (laughs) You must well laugh. Just go ahead (laughs) and laugh about it. Don't get too serious. You know, sometimes things uh, you may get real uh, personal and real tight with you, but and don't assume that I know too much about it. I had a guy, this has happened to me more than once, but this particular one stands out. He came up to me after the service. He said, uh, Preacher, you got something to say to me? Why don't you just say it? (laughs) I started to say, I did. I just said it. I just got through. But anyway, this guy said, You got something to tell me? Why don't you just tell me? I said, What are you talking about? So he starts into the spill about it. And about four sentences into it, he realizes he's telling me things I didn't know. So he kind of bubbled to a stop. He said, you, you didn't know all that? I said, not till just right now. <laughs> and a lot of times people have said, well, I, you know, were you trying to preach to me? 
Yeah, and everybody else that was there. <laughs> and if I do have something specifically for you, I'm not scared of you. Amen. I will call you, I will contact you, and I won't abuse this place to try to take my frustration out on somebody. That's an abuse Amen. of a holy place. But we shouldn't be shocked and surprised if the Spirit of God really is giving utterance and speaking when it just hits right in the middle of where I am. (laughs) But let me tell you how to deal with it. Just be cool, be cool, smile. No matter what, smile. Because if you get all frowny and all tense, then everybody around you will look and go, he's talking about them, look. (laughs) Just stay cool, stay cool. Especially while you're in church, you just stay cool, smile, look around and go, amen, Brother Keith. Amen. Somebody needs that. Stay cool. Look straight ahead. Smile. (laughs) And if you need to, after the service, go home, fall across the bed and go, oh, God, that was me. I repent. Huh? But a lot of it, I don't even need to know. Nobody needs to know it's between you and him, right? And I may know less about it than you even think. And I like it that way. I, I know enough stuff as it is. I don't want to know too much people's problems. Unless I can help. Where were we before we went off on all that? The semicolon. That's exactly right. <laughs> Pulling down strongholds, semicolon. What are the strongholds? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought, somebody say thought, 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 to the obedience of Christ. This is how spiritual warfare is waged. This is it. This is not one of the lesser ways. This is the main way. This is it. What's the warfare over? People say, well, it's, it's over souls. It's over this. Yes and no. What's any war about? Control. When the dust clears, the winner is in control. It's over control. How does the enemy control human beings on this planet? Through the mind. The mind is the doorway to the spirit. And the Bible says, we'll just back up, you're in the 10th chapter, back up to the 4th chapter. The 4th chapter in the 2nd verse, I believe it is. He said, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, what will the truth do for you? Make you free, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Keep reading. For if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4, in whom the God of this world has done what? Blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine unto them. What's going on with the warfare? It is a conflict of light versus darkness, of truth versus lies. That's how it's waged. And if you yield 
to lies and deception, your life will be encompassed with darkness and death and destruction. But if you yield to the truth and the light and life, oh, hallelujah, you'll be made free. And thank God, Jesus has uh, he's destroyed the power of the evil one. And we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We've been delivered out of the power of darkness. Somebody said out loud, I've been delivered. Out of the power. Out of the authority. Out of the control of darkness. I'm a child of the light. I live in the light. And I live free. Now billions live in spiritual darkness. They believe lies about God, about eternity, about this life. In fact, let me give you some more of that. Go with me over to the book of Luke, please. Let's see, Luke, the 15th chapter. Then I want you to go to John, the 12th chapter. We saw this in times past, but uh, the Bible said in Luke 15, 17, that the prodigal son, after he spent all his money, ran out of money, and the same time he ran out of money, there was an economic collapse. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's double bad timing there. And uh, the only job he could find was feeding pigs, which is pretty low for a Jewish boy. Is that right? And he's in such a bad shape, in such a bad way, that he's standing there feeding the pigs, and he's hungry, and he's looking in the pig trough. And he's going, you know, that's a pretty good-looking piece of cornbread there. He's tempted to eat the pig food. How many of sin will bring you low? When you leave Father's house, and leave Father's ways, and leave Father's plan. You may think you're riding high for a while, but it's, you're going to wind up in a bad, bad place. And uh, one, one fellow preached, uh, I like like that. He said he, he said he pulled off his jewelry and sold that. And, and he pulled off his coat and sold that. And, and he pulled off his, uh, his shoes and sold them. And, and he pulled off his shirt and he came to himself. <laughs> Verse 17 said, well, that's this right there. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? He said, even the new hire at my father's place, he eats good. He's got a good place to sleep. He came to himself. Well, where was he before that? Where was his mind? Where was his mentality? He wasn't in his right mind. Now that doesn't mean that he had a mental deficiency. Except spiritually. How many people on the planet are not at their self? They're not thinking right. Now go with me to John. The 12th chapter. And the 23rd verse, I got light on this more than I've ever had when I saw how this is connected with this. I've, I've pondered, you know, there's forever scripture you understand, there's several that you're still believing for. And uh, 
this is some things I've been believing for for some time. And I can see it more clearly today. Jesus answered and said, The hours come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Keep reading. Verily, verily, I say to you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Keep reading. He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. What does that mean? Hate your life in this world. Surely that can't be right. You're not supposed to hate your life. A lot of people chime in and go, I do. I hate my life. (laughs) Well, that's not what he's talking about. But what is he talking about? What is he talking about? In 1 John, the second chapter, 1 John 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why did he say hate your life in this world? Why would you say such a thing? And then he says don't love the world. He's talking about your life in this world. And don't love the world. Verse 16. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Man, I just saw this. This is what we've been praying for years right here. Isn't it? What's of the Father? What's not of the Father? This is it right here. There, what's he talking about when he says hate your life in this world? We should hate the phony, deceptive falseness that people are being devoured in. Is that right? Millions and billions on this planet are living down here like there's no God. Like there's no heaven. Like there's no hell. And they're living like this is all there is. And they are with all their might. Trying to get all of their satisfaction. And fulfillment out of this life. And you cannot get it here. I don't care how how much money you make. How how much success you think you have in the world. That's why you got multimillionaires and billionaires. That commit suicide. And you think, well, why? Because at least when you're dirt poor, you could imagine that if you had it, you'd be happy. (laughs) But when you've got all of it and three of them and you've done it all and you still got this big empty hole in you and you know it's not a matter of money or success, you've already got it all. Why keep going? But you and I are the enlightened ones. Oh, come on. Will you agree with me on that? We're not living in the darkness. We're not living in the fantasy that this is all there is. We're not living in the fantasy that that next new car or that next promotion or that big house is going to fulfill me for the rest of my life. Or that I'm going to work another few years and retire and play golf and fish and will be totally fulfilled and satisfied. 
No, you're not. You're going to do it for a little while and you're going to go, is this all there is? I mean, how much fishing can I do? Yeah, you can enjoy some things down here, but you are just a passing through. Come on, somebody help me with this. You, you are here for this long, is that right? And you're on a mission. Somebody say, I'm on a mission. Come on, y'all. You're a soldier in the army of the Lord. Is that right? You're on a mission. You're on a mission. You remember when they came to Jesus and, and everybody was hungry and the guys left to get some food and a woman came to the well and he asked her for a drink and when they came back and, and they said, what's the deal? Did somebody give him something to eat? Because he said, I have food to eat you don't know about. They said, what? We're out there getting food. Somebody came and brought him food before we could get back. He said, no, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. What is, what is he saying? That satisfies me. Come on, that can do for you what no amount of money, no things, no jewelry, cars, houses, your name on a magazine cover. Come on, are you listening? None of that can do that. But when you know you found the plan of God and you did the plan of God, it satisfies you to the soles of your feet, to the core of your being. Because it's what you were made to do. There is a God. There is eternity. There is a kingdom of God. A heaven and a hell. Aren't you thankful? You know that. You're not in darkness. Millions. And more than that. Are praying to rocks. Praying to the spirit of the water. And the spirit of the air. All these different religions that are vanities. Vanity means they're empty. There's nothing there. These rocks have never answered a prayer and they never will. And and how many find it terribly sad that a person would pray to this stuff all their life and never get one prayer answered? Never. Why? Are they in bondage? They are just like being in a cell with the door locked. They're in bondage. Why? Because they believe lies. I said they believe lies. Thank God for the truth. The liberating truth. The truth that makes us free. Oh, somebody say, thank God, thank God. Thank God. You know, the writer of Ecclesiastes saw this. God gave him enough wisdom, even way back there then, to see this. You ever read Ecclesiastes? A lot of people don't like to read it because they think it's depressing. You know why? Because it's supposed to be. This life is depressing. If you think this is all there is, you're going to be depressed. I don't care how good you think you're living. It's just not enough. It just leaves a gaping hole in you. And he, he's richest, one of the richest men on the planet. He's got everything. He's doing everything. And how does he start off in Ecclesiastes? Vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. Because once you've seen it all and you've done it all, somebody's already done it. 
And they're going to long forget about you in a little while. And somebody else is going to do it. And it's just one cycle after another. And you wash your hair. And it's going to need to get washed again. Is that right? And it's just an endless cycle of what? What's it all mean? What's it all good for? Vanity of vanities. And life under the sun, life in this world, if you think this is your entire existence and you give yourself, you love it, you cling to it, you love the world, you love this life, this is all you have, you're in darkness. You're living a fantasy. You're living in a dream world. And you'll never be satisfied. You'll never be fulfilled. Selah. That's worth thinking about it. Go with me please. To the book of Ephesians. And I'll see if we can talk about another piece of armor. (laughs) Ephesians 6. And 10. Put up please the complete Jewish version for us if you can find that Ephesians 6 10 CJB he said finally grow powerful in union with the Lord in union with his mighty strength use all the armor and weaponry that God provides has God given us something to help us in this conflict yes he has armor and weaponry both defensive and offensive. We are not not equipped. We're not ill-equipped. We're well-equipped to deal with whatever the enemy brings against us. Somebody say, I am well-equipped to deal with anything he throws against me. Are you? I'm not ignorant of his devices and I'm well-equipped to deal with anything. We got a good God We got a God who's always on top and ahead of everything. Then he's not leaving us hanging out here exposed with no help. We're well equipped. Use all the armor, weaponry. That's the key word. uh, What the King James says, put it on. This one says, use it. That's the deal. I don't care what kind of equipment you got if you don't use it. You're going to be in trouble. Just be like you didn't have any if you don't use what you were given. Use all the armor and weaponry that God provides so that you'll be able to stand against the deceptive tactics of the adversary. One of the biggest things you need to know about dealing with the devil is I resist you. That's one of the biggest things you need to know. Don't wait till you see something, till you hear a voice. When thoughts come, suggestions, feelings, temptations, imaginations that are contrary to what you know to be right and you know is the word and God's will and God's plan, you need to not just be passive, you need to resist that and say, no, that's not right. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. Not today, not tomorrow, not next week. Satan, I resist you. Leave me. There are times you need to say it out loud. No. I'm not saying that. I'm not doing that. Get out of here. What did the Bible say? Resist the devil and he'll leave. Now that doesn't mean he'll stay gone forever. He'll leave. (laughs) But he comes back. 
And he can come back repeatedly. So what do you do? Repeatedly. You resist. You say, no, I'm not going to do that. Shut up. Leave me alone. And if you do that every time, you will be completely safe. The enemy will not get any kind of a foothold in you. He'll get no kind of a place in you. That's all you got to do is every time he comes, resist him. That's it. And you will win every battle. But the moment you sit there and you don't resist it and you just think about it because some of these things are appealing to your flesh and your unrenewed mind. And the problem is if you want to think about it and if you choose to listen to it, then you're in trouble because you keep doing that, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's how you can lose battles. And be defeated. Keep reading. Verse 12. We're not struggling against, against human beings. Say it out loud. People are not my problem. Do you believe that or not? That includes your spouse. That includes your kids. That includes the people that live next to you. That includes the people you work with. Your siblings. Are y'all with me? I want you to say it again real strong. People are not my problem. But you do have an enemy. But they're not, it's not flesh and blood. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, actually that's the word for world, rulers, governing this darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And as we went into earlier, the Lord told Brother Hagin, the rulers of the darkness of this world were the highest order we deal with. We don't personally deal with the wicked spirits in heavenly places. That's another topic. But uh, somebody said, what about Daniel? You know, he stood and, and those angels were warring. Exactly. Daniel was not going one-on-one with the wicked spirit. Right. He was praying and standing and an angel was dispatched. Is that right? Yeah. That dealt with him while he prayed and stood. And that's another topic. We'll see if we get into some of that. But for right now, I'm talking about you and I fighting our faith fight. So don't imagine you are personally struggling with the wicked spirit in the heavenlies because you're not. But you do deal with these spirits here that are influencing minds on the earth. And he went on to say, verse 13, take up every piece of war equipment God provides. Somebody say, sir, yes, sir. sir, (laughs) sir. What does that mean? We're going to put it on. We're going to keep it on. So that when the evil day comes, and it'll come, you'll be able to resist. What's the main thing you do with this? You you resist and stand against it and refuse it and reject it. And having done all to stand, you stand and you don't give in to it. And when the battle is won, when the dust clears, you'll be standing there. Not defeated, not fallen, not devoured. Keep reading. Therefore stand. Have the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about that. That goes all the way around you. It encircles you. One translation called it a utility belt. Because the other armaments attach to it. That's where the scabbard attaches. Where the sword goes. The breastplate attaches to it. There's some covering for the lower part. 
it, it extends below the waist. And put on righteousness for a breastplate. The breastplate went from the neck to the navel. It meets the belt. And it's on the front and the back. Now these are not physical pieces. He's using this because people were familiar with it. And there's a lot of similarities between the natural and the spiritual. But what is the belt? Truth. What is the breastplate? Righteousness. And we are to put it on. And like I said, I don't think you need to take it off for a while and put it back on. But it don't hurt every morning when you wake up to check, make sure it's on. Is that right? Make sure it's attached properly. Is that right? Got my righteousness. What does that mean? The enemy is going to attack you in these areas. He's going to try to hit you below the belt. He's going to try to lie to you and deceive you. And what's going to keep you free from all those things? Truth, truth, truth. You need truth in the morning, truth at noontime, truth when the sun goes down. You need to be encircled with truth, girded up with truth. And the enemy is going to attack you where your righteousness is concerned. What would pierce you? What would hit your heart and cause you to collapse? Feeling of being a failure. Not being acceptable to God. Not being good enough. Being a failure. And the enemy will work on you continually to try to get you to believe that and listen to that. Look how, look what a failure you are. Look how short you've come. You're not acceptable. Righteous? Are you kidding me? What a joke. You're anything but righteous, but you gotta, you gotta clamp it on and go, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it, but he gave it to me. I didn't create this armor. I didn't invent it. I didn't construct it. It was handed to me. It was handed to me. It was given to me. But I'm going to wear it. I've said this before. All of us have missed it. Made mistakes come short. There's any one of us. There's some things. If you put us up here and shine the light on us and told it to the crowd, it'd be shameful and, and ashamed and don't want people to know about that. But I've made mistakes. I've come short. But you can't make me feel bad about it. Because I'm forgiven. Come on, somebody help me out. I'm forgiven. I'm either clean or I'm not. I'm either washed or I'm not. I'm either, uh, didn't, didn't the Bible say if you'll confess your sin? He's faithful. He's just to do two things. Forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if I'm clean from all unrighteousness, all that's left is righteousness. And if you keep that on, The devil can't pierce you. He can't pierce you to your heart and core and make you collapse and fold up and cry and feel sorry for yourself and say, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm such a miserable failure. Somebody say, you won't hear me saying that. We've all made mistakes. We've all come short. But those that receive it are clean. I said, we're clean. Is it true that when God looks at you, He doesn't see all of your sins and your failures. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? 
That he has cast your sins as far away as the east is from the west. Is that right? That they've been washed away. Not, Not just covered. Under the Old Testament, animal blood covered sin. That's not what we've got. Actually, a lot of our songs need to be changed. My sins have been covered. No, honey, your sins ain't covered. They're gone. They're gone. The blood of the Lamb doesn't cover sin. It has washed it away. Away. And if God's looking at you, and he doesn't see the sin, and he doesn't see the unrighteousness, all he sees is the righteousness of Jesus that he has personally accepted and approved, then why should you care so much what other people think? And why should you let yourself receive condemnation and guilt and shame? Come on, somebody say, He is the glory glory and the lifter lifter of my head. I refuse to be ashamed. I refuse to yield to guilt or shame. I am made righteous. Hallelujah. If you believe that and you hold on to it, you are protected. You're protected with this. Can you see this? And that's where we got last week. It'd be worth going over every week. Is that right? It'd be worth going over every week. What is it going to say? And wear on your feet the readiness that comes from the good news, the gospel of peace or the gospel of shalom. This is part of our armor, part of our protection. You need something on your feet. I guess most of you wore shoes in here today. Why did you wear shoes? Let me tell you one thing, that pavement's hot out there. Is that right? <laughs> and especially as tender-footed as we all are. Those rocks would be uncomfortable if you went over some. Right? If you walked over the grass, got a briar, stumped your toe, protection for your feet. Well, let me mention this to you and then you'll see where we're going. You don't need shoes if you're not going anywhere. (laughs) Huh? I say you don't need any shoes. If you're at the house, you ain't going anywhere. How many don't wear any shoes when you're at the house? Let me see. Yeah. Why? You're not going anywhere. But you get ready to go somewhere, especially in those days. There wasn't much pavement around. Right? And even less carpet. And especially you're going on campaign to fight. You're out in the country. You're crossing streams. You're climbing mountains. You're coming across rocks and, and briars. And if your feet are damaged enough, you can't travel. You can't even get to the fight. Much less if you can't stand up on your feet, you can't fight. You're already defeated. So the enemy is out to attack our feet. Sorry, devil. He's out to attack and hurt our feet. Why? To keep us from going anywhere. Where have we got to go? I'm glad you asked that. (laughs) He said, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
Preparation means ready. Now again, this is not just a physical shoe or sandal, as it were. That they would, it would have been a leather covering with straps that kept it in place. But it's the same idea. It's something under your sole, something cover your toes, protect your feet. So you can move. You can go somewhere. You can travel. Why? Because you've got a job to do. Something to do when you get there. Your feet shod with the preparation. Somebody say readiness. readiness. That word preparation is frequently translated ready. What do you need to be ready to do? <laughs> Romans 1. Go there please. Romans 1 and 15. He said as much as in me is. That's saying a lot isn't it? We say it today. Everything that's in me. I am ready. Paul, what you ready to do? I am ready to proclaim the gospel, the good news to you that are at Rome also. Now, what we're talking, we're getting in to some offensive things now. You know, if all you're doing is resisting a barrage of attacks, you're not really going anywhere. But if you're going somewhere, you could be going to the enemy's camp to conquer him and take anything he had possessed. And we're beginning to talk about the devil's worst nightmare right now. Not just you refusing to give him any place in your personal life and you him not being able to work with. I can just I can just tell right now there's a number of people in here. The devil is just absolutely frustrated with you. Amen. He's just frustrated with you because he sent some of his better spirits here recently. And you just shut them down. You just would not entertain the idea. He just can't get any play out of you. Somebody say, get used to it. Get used to it. And that's one thing. And that's a good thing. But there's something else. There's something else. You got you. And now, what's he putting them shoes on for? What's he he putting them shoes? What's what's he putting them shoes on for? What's he putting them shoes on? Why? Why? He ain't going to just sit at the house and resist you. You know the next thing he pulls out? (laughs) And all the devils go, oh no, oh no. No, 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 not again, not again. He found out. She found out. Not only can we be covered defensively, we can go on the attack. And it's not by putting on fatigues and going up on top of the hill and screaming at devils in the heavenlies all night. That's not how it's done. How's it done? The gospel makes demons tremble just to hear the words. The gospel. Oh, somebody say the gospel. The gospel. Say it again. The gospel. The gospel. Do you want to launch an attack 
on the forces of darkness and recover all the captives that he's taken. Then you got to load the big guns with the gospel. Because the gospel is the glorious light that liberates. Oh, you need to say, I don't think I've ever said that just quite like that. Say out loud. The gospel is the glorious light that liberates. <laughs> Hallelujah. We just read that in 2 Corinthians 4. 3 and 4. He said, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that, that believe not, lest... Or list, or unless, put it up, 2 Corinthians 4 4. Unless the glorious gospel. Amen. There it is right there. Amen. The glorious gospel of Christ, the anointed one, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Mm-hmm. When that light blasts on them, I don't care if them and their fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers have lived in total darkness all their lives. When that light shines on the heart and mind of a human being, if they will open their eyes and look at it and receive it and say, I believe it, all the devils in hell cannot stop them from becoming free and born again. Is, Is that right? And the kingdom of darkness just suffered a casualty. And the devil is fearful of this. And all, all their legions are fearful, fearful of this. If you're going to be a believer, his first plan is for you to not be a believer and perish with him. But if he can't keep that from happening, the next thing he wants you to do is go to heaven now. Get out of here. Get out of here and don't tell anybody else what you found out. (laughs) So he can continue to manipulate and hold people in darkness and deception. But then he sees all the folks, and there's many others like us, but all the folks in Faith Life Sarasota, all the folks in Faith Life Branson, and they're putting on their breastplate, and they're putting on their, their belt and their helmet, and, and, and they sit down and they start putting these shoes on. And he goes, whoa, 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 where are you going? Where are you going? Stay at the house. Die and go to heaven. Get, get out of here. What, what do you need them for? What do you need them for? The preparation, the readiness of the good news. What is the good news? There is a God. And he's a good God. And he sent his only son Jesus. To take care of the sin problem. And the curse problem. And he did come. And he did hang on the cross. And he paid the price. For all your sins. And here's the big one. And he raised from the dead. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive right now. King of kings. Lord of lords. Soon to come again. (laughs) You go out and say that. Proclaim that. Preach that. Share that. And what just happened in the spirit was. 
You know, like on, the, on those ships, those great big barrel guns, it went boom. <laughs> In the spirit, that's what they heard. Boom. <laughs> and a light bomb hit them. Boom. And all those folks that have been like this all their life, they go, huh? What? What? You mean he did? He did? And I am? I believe it. I I believe it. I receive it. And oh, friend, all the devils in hell can't hold them. Can't keep them. Can't keep them. Because light is so much more powerful than darkness. Only way darkness can function is in the absence of light. Romans 10, 10th chapter, 15th verse. You don't need shoes if you're not going anywhere. But, anybody remember Mark 16? What Jesus said? Good after he raised from the dead. Put it up on the screen before we read this. Mark 16, 18 is it? Starting 15. 16, 15. Jesus said to them, what? What did he say? That's why you need shoes. <laughs> Jesus said what? Go into all the world and scream at devils. Preach economic reform. Preach diet and exercise. <laughs> the correct political affiliations. What? Go into all the world. Preach your convictions and what you really feel. Preach the gospel. Mm. I like just saying it because I know it bothers the devil so bad. And it it blesses me so much. He is so afraid. The billions are going to get a hold of the gospel. That's what happened to you. That's what happened to me. That's why we're here instead of somewhere in darkness. (laughs) I can see you and me. Sending more gospel to more people. Come on, can you see it? I I can see it. Can you see it? Somebody say, we're going to do this thing. Millions, even of believers, will just sit and do nothing and wait to die and go to heaven. And they're saved, and thank God they'll make heaven. But there's a job to do down here. I said there's a job to do down here. There is a great commission. This is it. What is the great commission from the head of the church to the church? Go. Go. You either need to be a going or a helping somebody to go. Is that right? Sending. But you need to be involved in the going. Getting the gospel to others. Getting it to them. This good news. Go into all the world. How many want to take that personally? You want to take that literally? Take it from the head. What did the head of the church tell us? Tell me. Tell you. Faith Life Church. He told us to go. This is too good to just hoard here in our little corner in Sarasota or Branson. This is this too good. This is too. We, we can't just sit idly by and go, well, praise God, I'm blessed. I'm making heaven. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Sorry about all y'all. Uh, <laughs> and we have no guarantee. 
that people will accept the preaching of the gospel. But we don't fall off our chair if somebody doesn't. If somebody looks at us and goes, I don't believe that. There is no God. I don't believe you. You say, "Mm, next. You want to hear this? This is the best news you ever heard in your life. And you just keep on offering it because somebody will. I said, somebody will. And when they do, they're saved. Hallelujah. They're saved. They're free. They're delivered. Go into all the world and preach. That means proclaim. Shout it. What? The good tidings. The good message. It's a good fight. And it's a good message. Because we got a good God. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm glad we got here. It took us a little while to get here, but we... We're in a good place. You know, we still got one to talk about. Y'all know the other other one we got to talk about? We got two to talk about. The shield and the sword. How many think you could really do something with them two? But you got your shoes on. What do shoes mean? You are ready to go and get the gospel to others. You're ready to do it personally. You're ready to help somebody. Now, we, now, if you weren't with us, we talked about some months ago a true witness. And how you don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be a preacher. Just be ready to give your testimony. Is that right? About what God has done for you. Be on the watch for every opportunity. Don't think you ought to preach a sermon or have to have a bunch of verses or be able to quote a bunch of things. Just be Do you have any good news of what God has done for you? Are you ready to tell it? Then you got your shoes on. (laughs) Are you ready to tell it in the morning time? In noontime, afternoon, evening? You ready to tell it at home or at the family reunion or on the job or at the grocery store? Come on, are you ready? You always got your shoes on. Always got your shoes on. Always ready. Ready. Now closing in the 10th chapter of Romans, I think. Romans 10. Romans 10, 15. Well, let me back up. 13. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What if it's a 20th generation Hindu in India? What if somebody whose family has been steeped in Islam or on and on, on and on. Somebody who's a fifth generation witch. Whoever, somebody say whoever, whoever, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What what does that mean? It don't make a difference what the devil thinks about it. The devil could not muster all of his cohorts in hell, on the earth, anywhere else and make any difference about this. He can't do a thing about this. Does that bless you? He can't do one stinking thing about this. That's right. Whoever, anybody, anywhere, call on the name of the Lord in faith. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Shall be saved. Say it out loud. Shall be saved. Shall be saved. Shall be saved. Happen to you. Happen to me. It'll happen to them. Keep reading. How then shall they call in him in whom they've not believed? They won't. Can't believe something you've never heard. You can't. You, you won't act on something. I should say that you don't believe in. 
And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? You can't believe something you never heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? <laughs> Preachers are necessary. <laughs> I had a fellow one time tell me this. He said, because we had been a part of sending a bunch of Brother Hagin's books in other languages to other countries. He said, why didn't y'all just send Bibles? <laughs> I didn't know exactly how to answer that. I was real young. And uh, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, should we have sent Bibles? It didn't say, how shall they hear without a Bible? Did it? Did it say, how shall they hear without a Bible? If that was the main thing, then our main emphasis should be printing and shipping. And the main thing would be getting a Bible in somebody's hand. Now, that's important. You know I'm not knocking that. But faith doesn't just come by having a book. That's right. Faith comes by hearing. hearing and hearing by the word. Actually, if you look up those words, this is the same passage here, just a couple of verses down. Verse 17 is what we're quoting right now. Hearing by the word of the Christ, That's right. the anointed word. Amen. Come on, have you ever read something a dozen times and didn't get anything out of it? And you heard somebody preach it and you thought, oh, yeah. you saw it for the first time. It was already there. What made the difference? The anointing and the call. So yeah, we need preachers. The world needs preachers. Now, like one fellow said, some are sent and some just went. (laughs) Just because your mama called you doesn't mean you're anointed. Is that right? (laughs) But if you're genuinely called of him and sent of him... There will be an anointing, right? And people will be enlightened and quickened when the word comes. How shall they hear without a preacher? Keep going. How shall they preach except they be sent? That's what we just got through talking about. You got to be sent. You can talk, but you won't be anointed preaching. As it's written. Oh, I like this. How beautiful are the... The what? What brought you the word? I'm preaching to you right now. I said, I'm preaching to you right now. You know how I got here? Is that right? I remember the person that preached when I, I got born again. It was a wonderful little small Baptist church. And my dad got up and walked down the aisle and gave his heart to the Lord. And I, I so admired my dad. I thought, well, if he needs to do this, I probably need to do it too. So I got up and followed him down to the altar. Hallelujah. And got born again as a boy. Hallelujah. I hadn't seen that man in many years. I think he's going home to be with the Lord. But his feet will always be beautiful to me. He obeyed. While other people wouldn't obey God, he did. He came there. He was there that day. He shared the good news I needed to hear. My daddy needed to hear. Come on, are y'all with me? You hear me talk oftentimes about Brother Hagin. He's in heaven now. His feet will always be beautiful to me. And I don't know many of you as well. Because I was born again. But that's it. That, that's all I know. I didn't know anything else. Didn't know about faith. Didn't know how to walk with God. Uh, oh, thank God for the years that followed. And the good word that came through that vessel. Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad spiritually he was ready. Yeah. Oh, come on. He was ready yeah. to go. 
He was ready to go to me and to go to them and to go to you. And he was ready to preach the gospel. He was ready to share the good news. Well, he and Mom Hagen and many of them, uh, Brother Oral Roberts and different ones, they have served their generation and now enjoying some of their reward in heaven. You and I ain't there yet. We're still on the job, so gird up your loins. Put on your breastplate. Put on your helmet. And put your shoes on, and let's go somewhere and do something for God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Stand on those beautiful feet. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.